Welcome to Truth and Liberty. Thank you for joining our interactive daily broadcast where trusted leaders bring insights and analysis to the issues from a biblical perspective. According to the Bible, it's the truth you know that sets you free. So call in today to get biblical answers, information, and resources to help you stand for truth and effect godly change in our nation and the world. And now here's your host, Andrew Womack. Welcome to a very special edition of our Truth and Liberty livecast. Today we're going to play Richard Harris, who's the director of Truth and Liberty, uh, speaking at our Truth and Liberty conference uh, from 2023. And I tell you, it was powerful. It was one of the best messages that I've ever heard. And Richard, many of you don't know him. You only see him here on this set, usually interviewing people. But I tell you what, he can preach. And he's calling people to action, talking about how Christians need to get involved. And I believe that this is really going to be good. So today we're breaking our format a little bit and we're going to just play this message that Richard Harris gave from the 2023 Truth and Liberty Coalition uh, Conference and you'll be blessed. And I know some of you, this is a little departure from what we normally do, but if you will listen, I promise you, you will not be disappointed. So. Uh, watch and listen to this, Richard Harris ministering at our 2023 Truth and Liberty Coalition Conference. How many of you would like to get into the Word with me? Let's do this. Um, first, I just want to say thank you to Andrew and Jamie for this opportunity uh, to share with you today. Uh, thank you for the opportunity to lead Truth and Liberty. Um, I can't even put into words what it means to me. And uh, it's just an incredible privilege. Uh, to all of our other speakers, uh, Mohammed, Pastor Lucas, I, uh, I don't see uh, Alex here, but everybody, it's been absolutely tremendous. Um, and so, um, you know, I stand uh, in a pulpit here that is just like beyond, uh, I can't, I, it's hard for me to even fathom that I have this opportunity to stand here and minister to you today. So I pray and trust that God's going to help me to, to do this. Um, today, I want to bring a word of encouragement to you. How many of you need some encouragement today? From a story in the Bible that has been extremely important in my life. I'm calling this message Vessels of Glory. You know, what we're facing in America today and in the world, really all around the world, at times it can seem overwhelming. At times it can feel like a lost cause. Many of us remember better times when America stood for something, when we shared common values and a common faith. You know, but I firmly believe, I firmly believe that God is not done with America. And I believe he's powerful enough to turn this thing around. He's powerful enough to deliver us from this satanic assault that we are under and to restore us to our divine purpose. But I know that God works through people. And so I also firmly believe that he's calling people all over this nation, especially right here and right now. He's calling people today to do great things, to bring about the change that is in his heart. So I know that inside of you today, something is stirring. A still, small voice perhaps telling you where he would have you go whispering a dream in your heart, a vision that's bigger than you. So I want to encourage you today, there is a light inside you. There's a glory inside you. 
and it is the glory of God. And God our Father in heaven wants that glory to get out. He wants the world to see it. You know, church, there was a time in the history of Israel when they faced a very similar scenario to what we're facing today in America. And the account of that time period is what I want to talk to you about, and it's found in Judges chapter 6 and 7. So I'd like to begin by reading the first six verses of the book of Judges. It says there, And the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord delivered them into the hand of Midian seven years. And the hand of Midian prevailed against Israel. And because of the Midianites, the children of Israel made them the dens which are in the mountains and the caves and strongholds. And so it was when Israel had sown that the Midianites came up and the Amal Amalekites and the children of the east, even they came up against them. And they encamped against them and destroyed the increase of the earth till thou come unto Gaza. That means the whole width of the country. And left no sustenance for Israel, neither sheep, nor ox, nor ass. For they came up with their cattle and their tents, and they came as grasshoppers for multitude. For both they and their camels were without number, and they entered into the land to destroy it. And Israel was greatly impoverished because of the Midianites, and the children of Israel cried unto the Lord. And then when we continue reading in verses 7 through 10, we see that God actually sent prophets to Israel Reminding them, hey, I'm the one that delivered you from Egypt, brought you out of slavery. Return to me, Israel. And yet it says in verse 10, but they did not obey his voice. Today in America, like in Israel, we've done evil. America as a whole has rejected God and his word. And just like Israel, a confederation of evil seems to have taken over our country. LGBT, Islamists, globalists, environmentalists, Marxists, Satanists, whatever you want to ist them with, whatever you want to put on them, there's some kind of an evil confederacy, and they are like, seems like grasshoppers. They're everywhere. They're covering the earth. Camels without number, they seem to have no limit to their money. And they have entered the land to destroy it. We see our, you look at what's going on in the news and you have to wonder, is this guy incompetent or does he really hate America? Is he trying to destroy this country? Just like the Israelites hid in caves, it seems like Christians are pulling back and getting scared about persecution, getting scared about offending people, not knowing where to turn, not knowing what to do. People feel helpless. And God has sent prophets to this nation for many years. People like David Barton, people like Andrew Womack, calling us back, calling us to the true gospel, calling us to our heritage, and we've ignored them. So, you know, if this were the end of the story, we would have cause to be discouraged. We would have cause to, be, to lose hope. But I praise God that it is not the end of the story. You see, God didn't give up on Israel. He found a man who was willing to listen to his voice. And he began working on that man, positioning him and building his faith so that God's glory could be manifested and he could destroy the enemies of Israel. And that man's name was Gideon. Gideon's story in Judges 6 and 7 tells us three simple but very powerful truths. 
These are really simple, guys, but don't lose the power of this. The first one is that God's glory lives in us. The second one is that God's glory is released by our obedience to his calling. And the third one is that when God's glory is released, his enemies are destroyed. The glory of God is in you, number one. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3 says that Jesus Christ is the glory of God. It says in verse 3, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, he sat down on the majesty on, uh, of the majesty on high. So Jesus is the brightness of God's glory. Colossians 1.27, to whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. You know, this glory that was in Jesus and that is Jesus was manifested in the physical realm on the Mount of Transfiguration, where it says that his clothes became white as snow, whiter than any whitener could whiten them, and his face shone like the sun. This glory is also what raised Jesus Christ from the dead. In Romans chapter 6, uh, I believe it's in verse 4. It says, like as Christ was raised from the dead by the power, by the glory of God, even so we also should walk in newness of life. And every person who has received Jesus, and this is you, isn't it? How many of you received Jesus today? Praise the Lord. Okay, I see somebody we need to have an altar call for. <laughs> then the glory of God is in you. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7. Listen to this verse, brothers and sisters. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of the darkness, has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And verse 7. But we have this treasury in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power might be of God and not of us. Matthew chapter 5, we heard this earlier in this conference. Jesus said, you are the light of the world. Say, I am the light. I am the light. He said, let your light shine before men that they may see your good works and give glory to God. God's glory, will, which is our second point, God's glory will shine through us when we are obedient to his call. Now this thing, obeying his call, it's not a one-time event, guys. It's a journey and it's a process where God leads us step by step. And each time we say yes, we receive more revelation and more opportunity. But God will strengthen our faith until we finally accomplish what he's called us to do. This is the hidden story of Gideon. Many of you, when you think of Gideon, you hear about fleeces, don't you? You know that Gideon struggled to believe, but what you may not realize is that God met him where he was, and he helped him step by step in a journey of faith against impossible odds, all the way through to a miraculous victory over God's enemies. And you know, in this story, we also see that God will accomplish his vision for your life with his power, not your own. And the third thing that you need to get out of the story of Gideon today or about obeying God and obeying God's call is this. God has a calling on your life. He has a destiny on your life. There's something that he wants you to accomplish. And that vision 
has already been accomplished. God has already done it in the Spirit. We'll see that in a little bit. Let's start on Gideon's journey, shall we? An angel appears to Gideon in chapter 6, verse 11, and finds him in a wine press threshing wheat because he was hiding it from the Midianites. You would expect the angel to show up and say, Gideon, what are you doing hiding in here? But that's not what he said. He said to him, he said to him, the Lord is with thee, mighty man of valor. The Bible just said he was hiding from the Midianites. Why is the angel calling him a man of valor? You see, God saw in Gideon the bravery that God was going to work in him. And I believe that right now in this place today, God is saying the same thing to you. He's saying to you, the Lord is with you, mighty man of valor. The Lord is with you, mighty woman of valor. Gideon responds to the angel in verse 13 by saying, oh yeah? If the Lord's with us, then why is all this junk going on? Where are all his wonders? I heard about that thing called Azusa Street a long time ago. I heard about that thing called Revival, Great Awakening, Thomas Jefferson. Gideon says, now the Lord hath forsaken us and delivered us into the hand of Midian. You see, Gideon... He knew about God's glory. He knew about the works of old. Just like you and just like me, he longed for the glory days of Israel. But he had a problem. He was focused on the bad stuff going around, not on God's power and on God's glory. And Gideon thought that God had forsaken Israel, thought that God was judging Israel. Today in America, many, many Christians are giving up on this country and they're saying God is judging America. And I want to say to you from this passage right here, that is a lie. The Bible says the Lord responded to Gideon in verse 14. He said, go in this thy might and thou shalt save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have not I sent thee? If God was judging Israel, you would have expected the angel to say something like, oh, yeah, Gideon, sorry, I, I forgot. Yeah, God's really mad at you. Hey, just hang out in your wine press and wait for the rapture. We'll be back later. God's not judging America, guys. Jesus said in John 5, the father judges no man and hath committed all judgment unto the son. And then he turns around in John chapter 12 and he says, if any man hear my words and believe not, I judge him not. He that rejecteth me and receive, uh, he that rejecteth me and receiveth not my words hath one that judgeth him. The word that I have spoken, the same shall judge him in the last day. There is a judgment coming for those who reject Christ, but God's not doing it now. We are in this, the age of grace. The blood of Christ has covered our sins. You see, God has put inside of you and inside of me and in every one of us the power to fulfill what he's called us to do. And he's saying to us, just like he said to Midian, go in this thy might. Have I not sent thee? Next, Gideon says to the angel, he says, I'm not qualified. In verse 15, oh, my Lord, wherewith shall I save Israel? Behold, my family is poor in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. You know, 
Here we see a loving God. Like I said, he works with Gideon to build his faith. In the next verse, the Lord said to Gideon, surely I will be with thee. You see, Gideon's focusing on himself. God says, look at me, Gideon. I'll be with you and thou shalt smite the Midianites as one man. Many of you today are hesitating. You've got something going on inside of you. God is calling you to something bigger, something better, something greater. He's got a vision for your life and you're saying, but I can't do it. Who am I? I'm not qualified. I don't have the resources. And I want to say to you today that just like Gideon, your focus is in the wrong place. God doesn't need your resources. He doesn't need your ability. What God needs is your trust. You see, God wasn't asking Gideon to do this in his own power. He doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26 through 29 is worth reading here this morning or this afternoon. It says, for you see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. And the base things of the world and the things which are despised hath God chosen. Yea, and things which are not to bring to naught those things which are. Why? That no flesh should glory in his presence. The next thing that happened in this story is that Gideon didn't, he doubted whether he was hearing God's voice. In verse uh, 17, he says to the angel, now if I found favor in thy sight, then show me a sign that thou talkest with me. So he goes and he makes this dinner for the angel and the angel hangs out and he brings it out and the angel says, pour out the broth, put the meat and the bread on the rock and he puts out his staff and fire comes out of the rock and burns up the sacrifice and then the angel disappears out of his sight and Gideon cries out, says, alas, O Lord. He realizes that he has just seen God. At that point, the voice of God speaks and the Lord says to him in verse 23, peace be unto thee, fear not, for thou shalt not die. You know, hearing God's voice, Gideon doubted it. It's one of the devil's most common tactics is to make you question whether you're hearing God's voice. Many of you in this room today are struggling because you've heard the Lord, but you doubt whether it was really him. I just want to say to you today, you've got to cast that down. Jesus said, you hear my voice. He said, my sheep hear my voice. Knowing God comes from a relationship with him. When you worship him and you get quiet before him, what do you hear? Is there something rising up inside of you? There's something that you know needs to be done? Something that's, you know, yearning inside of you? And the devil's like, you don't know if that's God. That's probably just you. You know, a shepherd leads his sheep one step at a time. How many of you have ever seen a shepherd with his sheep going down a country road? Where are the sheep? They're behind him and around him, aren't they? Do you ever see a shepherd say, okay, sheep, go on down there to the lake. I'll be down there in a little bit. Go through this valley of the shadow of death, and I hope it turns out for you. <laughs> Psalm 23 says in verse 4, 
that he leads us in paths of righteousness for his namesake. And then it goes on to say, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art way back there behind me. Thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. You see, guys, God is calling you. He's calling you, but he's only calling you one step at a time. He's not telling you to go out there and defeat the Midianites all at once, all by yourself. Without the game plan, God asked Gideon for a first step of obedience. He didn't send him straight to the Midianites. You know what the first thing he told him to do? He told him, uh, he told Gideon to destroy the altar to Baal that was in his father's house and to take his father's bull and offer it as a sacrifice on a new altar built out of the wood of the old one. He gave him one step. How was Gideon ever going to face down this massive Midianite army if he couldn't even face down his own family? Many people never start on the vision God has for them because they know the vision, they've got the vision from God, but they can't see how it's going to happen. And so they don't ever start moving forward. But you know, that's not how God works. My question for you today is I believe you know what God's saying. My question for you is, what's the first step? Is God calling you to run for office? I believe he told me before today that there are people in this room that are being called to office. There are people that are being called to start new businesses. There are people that are being called to start new ministries right here in this room. And you're like, how am I going to do this, God? I don't have the money. I don't have the contacts. I don't have the education. I don't know what to do. And you're waiting on God to give you the whole picture. And I'm telling you today, he's not going to do that. But what he is going to do, he's going to say, do this first. He's going to give you that first step. And when you obey that first step, you'll see the second step. And then possibly the third and fourth step. After Gideon destroyed, let me say this about the, his father's altar that he had to destroy. The Bible says that he was afraid of his father's household. So he did it at night. But kudos to Gideon, he did it. But here's the thing. The townspeople, when they woke up in the morning, they were really ticked off. Who did this thing? And they come around Gideon's house and they say, whoever did this, bring him out here because he's going to be killed. And the Bible says, it's real interesting here, he says that Gideon was afraid of his father's household. But guess what his father did? His father stood up for him. His father is the one who came out and he said, no, if anybody worships, worships Baal, let them be killed. So I take, you know what I take out of that? <laughs> what do you have to be afraid of? Do what God's telling you to do. That thing which he feared turned out to be actually a blessing to him. We need to obey God, guys. We need to do what he's calling us to do one step at a time. After Gideon destroyed the, the altar to Baal, it says the Spirit of the Lord came on him in chapter 6, verse 33, and he blew a trumpet, and an army assembled of 32,000 men from four surrounding tribes of Israel. It was only at this point that Gideon put out the fleeces. He's got this massive army around him, and now he's like, uh-oh, this just got serious. And Gideon says to the Lord... Here, here's the, th the thing that's amazing about this. In chapter 6, verse 36, it says, God said unto Gideon, 
uh, or Gideon said unto God, excuse me, if thou wilt save Israel by my hand as thou hast said, behold, I put a fleece of wool in the floor. So you know he did two fleeces, right? He said, God, I'm going to put this fleece down and put dew on it, not on the ground. And God does that. That's not enough. He says, okay, God, here's another fleece. Uh, put it on the ground and not on the fleece. And, he, and God did both of those. The thing I want you to take out of this right now is I want you to look. That it says, as thou hast said, Gideon was no longer doubting whether he heard God's voice. He's doubting whether God would do what he promised. And that is where you and I and most Christians are today. We hold in our hand the very word of the living God and we don't believe it. We doubt that he'll do what he's promised. Do you believe it or do you not? Do you believe God will prosper at the work of your hands or do you not? Do you believe that he's your provider or do you not? Do you believe that he causes you to triumph in all things or do you not? You've got to decide. Let the rubber meet the road here, folks. So Gideon was scared. Of course he was scared. But you know what? You need to come to a place. You need to come to a place in your heart where you're more scared of facing Jesus Christ than having to say to him, Lord, I'm sorry, I didn't do what you called me to do. You're more afraid of that than you are of the consequences of this life. If you can get to that place, I promise you, you're ready to hear God's voice. And you're ready to move forward. After the fleeces, Gideon took the obvious next step. You see, one step at a time. And the obvious next step is the, the Midianite army had assembled in the Valley of Jezreel. I got out a map, a biblical map, and was looking at it. And Jezreel, the Valley of Jezreel is only a few miles away from where Gideon lived in Ophrah. God brought the battle to him. Gideon took his army, and went and camped right by what's called the Spring of Herod. Do we have that picture? I want to show you guys something. When my wife and I went to Israel, we went there. We went to the very place, to Gideon's Spring. That's us sitting on a rock with our feet in the water at Herod's Spring. This is where Gideon's army, God told him to have them drink out of the river. That's the very spot. So that's kind of a cool picture, but sorry, it's a little bit fuzzy. Guys, what I want to say to you about this is, when you step out to obey God, do not be surprised if, do not be surprised if things take a turn for the worse. Okay? So, here we have, let me say this too about fleeces. This is not God's best for you as a born again, spirit filled believer. Chad Connolly got away with it, but that doesn't mean you will. <laughs> God's best for you is that you hear his voice and that you obey his voice. Jesus is the author and finisher of your faith. I want to share with you that um, when my son Max was a baby, he was just born, and we had realized that he had autism, I began seeking God. And uh, I said, Lord, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I can believe for him. Because I said, Lord, I prayed for my mom and she died. I prayed for my brother and she died. I prayed for our first baby and she died. And all of a sudden I heard him say, I am the author and finisher of your faith. And then one by one, I began to raise 
doubts before the Lord, just like Gideon. Lord, I feel like, God, maybe you're punishing me. We lost our first baby, and now Max is sick. And I heard, I heard God say, I heard him say, um, uh, I heard him say that God, he said, he said, I am not a respecter of persons. Meaning, who, what, he's healed other people, he's going to heal my son. And one by one, my, he answered my objections. But how did he do it? He didn't do it with fleeces, he did it with his word. He did it with scripture, dropping it into my heart. This enabled me after that to stand by faith and to lay hold on God's promise of healing for Max. And I want to tell you, in your life, as you step out to obey God, you, you can try a fleece if you want to, but most of the time that just results in confusion, and sometimes it even results in error. It's much better if you'll seek the face of God and listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit, trusting in Him and following Him one step at a time. So Gideon gets to Herod's spring, and God tells him to reduce the size of his army. Now, it wasn't by a little, okay? First thing he tells him is um, in verse, chapter 7, verse 2, the Lord says, The people that are with thee are too many for me to give the Midianites into their hands, lest Israel vaunt themselves against me, saying, Mine own power has saved me. So he tells them that everybody that's afraid, send them home. And we see in the scriptures there that Gideon spoke this to the, to the army. He had 32,000 men. And the next thing you know, he only had 10,000 men. He's probably like, whoa, okay. Um, all right, 10,000. We can do some damage with 10,000. Okay, great. And then God speaks to him again in verse 4 and says, there are still too many Take them down to the water and I will sift them for you there. And here we see where God tells him that those who drink from the stream by lap, by putting their mouth directly to the water are sent home. Only those who scoop it with their hand are remain and that's only 300 men. Folks, that's a 99% reduction in force. You know, God delights in the impossible. And I personally believe, I had a conversation with Mike Pickett in the green room earlier. It was awesome, Mike. I said, Mike, I'm going to let you take over now. You get up here and preach the rest of this. But he was really just, the things he was saying were blessing me because God delights in the impossible. Here we are in America and we're looking at church numbers dropping, all these charts, all these graphs, you know, these stolen elections, all of this stuff. And it seems like nothing we do is working. And what I believe is I believe God is setting the stage I believe he's setting the stage for us just like he did for Gideon. He's setting the stage for his glory to be revealed, for his name to be exalted, for the country to look and see what happens and know that it was the Lord God of Israel that did this thing, that it was Jesus Christ who set this nation free and scattered our enemies. Many of you today, just like Gideon, you're hearing God call you. And you can't see how it's going to come to pass. And God is saying back to you, don't worry about that. Just keep doing what's in front of you. Step by step, seeking God along the way. You know, one of the things I, I've seen over the years is, especially with young people, they get on fire for God and God speaks to them and drops a vision in their heart. And they've just got to get this vision done. 
And they jump out there and they come and they say, Pastor, God's called me to do blah, blah, blah. And I say, awesome, that's great. Why don't you come and be a youth pastor for me for a little while and learn and train? And they say, oh, no, no, no. Well, I'm going to do my own thing, Pastor. I say, okay, God bless you. I hope it works for you. And the next thing you know, they found some girl. They're getting married, having kids, and they never enter the ministry. I've seen it so many times. We have got to let God be God. Just one step at a time is the Lord's message today. But the other thing is that I want you to know God wants to, God is there for you. I just, I feel this this morning, guys, that God is speaking vision to people today. Online, God is speaking vision to you. He's got a calling on your life. He wants you to accomplish something for him. And you cannot see how that could ever come to pass. And God is not going to show that to you. He wants you to step out and do what is in front of you. And what I want to say to you from this story of Gideon is that the Lord will be with you every step of the way. When you need encouragement, he'll send it to you. When you need faith, he'll build it in you. So Gideon gets down. He's only got 300 men left. And he's facing an army that is so numerous it cannot be counted. And the Lord says to him in chapter 7, verse 9, it came to pass the same night that the Lord said unto him, Arise, get thee down unto the host, for I have delivered it unto thy hand. But then in verse 10, the Lord says, Gideon, if you're afraid, just go down to the edge of the camp. Because you're going to hear something there, and afterwards shall thy hands be strengthened to go down under the host. So Gideon took his servant, and they went down to the edge of the encampment of the Midianites, and they heard somebody talking about a dream they'd had, a bizarre dream in my humble opinion, about a barley loaf rolling down a hillside into a tent, and the loaf knocks the tent down. And this one Midianite is telling the other Midianite about this dream, and the other Midianite says unto him, he says, this is, and Gideon can hear him. This is nothing else but the sword of Gideon, the son of Joash, a man of Israel. For into his hands hath God delivered Midian and all the host. The Midianites are scared of Gideon. They know about Gideon. Guys, guess what? The devil knows about you. The devil is scared of you. Because the devil knows the power that is on the inside of you. He's not scared of your intellect. He's not scared of your physical ability. He's not scared of your money. He's scared of the glory of God that's in you. Gideon hears these words of this dream. And finally, Gideon is in 100% agreement with God. In verse 15, it says he goes back to the camp. At the, and uh, at his own camp, he returns to the host of Israel and he says, Arise, for the Lord hath delivered into your hand the host of Midian. That's what God just said in verse 9. For I have delivered them into your hand. Now Gideon is saying, God has delivered them into my hand. We've got to get into agreement with God's word in our life, guys. We've got to confess it out of our mouth. The good news is if you're not quite there yet, it's okay. It's a journey. And the Lord will take you there if you're willing. But you've got to pursue it. You've got to follow him. You've got to take every step that he shows you along the way. So next we see in Gideon chapter, in the Judges 7, 16, it says that he divided his uh, army of 300 into three companies. And listen to this. He put a trumpet in every man's hand with empty pitchers 
And here's my favorite part. And lamps within the pitchers. Lamps within the pitchers. And he tells his army, he says, do exactly what I do. Go up on the hillside, blow your trumpets and shout the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. You know, it's really interesting right here, guys. It doesn't say that Gideon gave each one of them a sword or a shield or a spear. He gave them trumpets, pitchers, and lamps. 300 verses and innumerable army. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Yo, uh, it says, though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Now, I'm going to tell you today, we quote this passage a lot in Word of Faith, Spirit-filled circles to talk, about, to talk about spiritual warfare in the mind, and that's a, that application's fine. But the context of this scripture, actually, I believe, is Paul is talking about confronting darkness in our culture and in our society. He's talking about casting down imaginations in the culture, winning nations to Jesus Christ. God has given us the weapons of this warfare. And you know what that number one weapon is? Come on, guys. The sword of the Spirit. It's the only offensive weapon he names in Ephesians chapter 6. If, uh, Hebrews 4.12 says that it is alive and sharper than any two-edged sword. That it pierces the heart. It separates soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and discerns the thoughts and the intent of the heart. So the Gideon, Gideon's army, they, the next verse tells us, I'm getting ahead of myself, but that's okay. They stood every man in his place. Chapter 7, verse 21. I don't want that to escape you today. They stood every man in his place, round about the camp, and all the hosts ran. Well, they, they blew on their trumpets, they broke their pitchers, they held up the torch of God, and they cried, the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. And the Bible says they stood everyone in his place and all the host ran and cried and fled and the 300 blew their trumpets and the Lord set every man's sword against his fellow even throughout all the host of Midian and they fled to all these little towns around that area. You see the glory of God was revealed and it scattered the enemy. It scattered the enemy. I told you that the third thing that we would learn from Gideon's story is that God has already done it. How many of you today would say there's something in my heart, Richard, that God's called me to do? You can be honest. And I want to say to you today that that calling of God is actually already accomplished. He told Gideon, I've already given the Midianites into your hand. You see, God is the God who calls those things that be not as though they are. It reminds me of what the Lord said to, to uh, Joshua in Joshua 1.3, where he said, Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given you, as I said unto Moses. You see, God has already given us the victory, church. 
Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. And 2 Peter 1, 3, According as his divine power hath given unto us all things pertaining to life and godliness. And one of my favorite verses in the whole Bible is, is Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. Ephesians 2.10, you know Ephesians 2.8 and 9, right? For by grace are you saved through faith, and that is not of yourselves, a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Ephesians 2.10 says, for you are the workmanship of God in Christ Jesus unto good works which God hath before ordained that you should walk in them. See, brothers and sisters, God knew what you were destined to do before he ever made you. And he's already accomplished it in the spirit. What he's calling you to do is to walk it out by faith. When the glory of God is revealed, it destroys God's enemies. The application of this story to us and to our nation, to me, is clear. We are the clay pots. Our bodies are the clay pots of God. 2 Corinthians 4, 6, and 7, we hold this treasure in earthen vessels. I have to wonder if when Paul was penning that, he was thinking of Gideon. This treasure is the glory of God. Why does God put his most valuable thing inside of a clay pot that could be easily broken? It tells us right there that the power may be of God and not of us. We are called, according to Romans 12.1 and many, many other scriptures, to make our bodies a living sacrifice unto God. Jesus says, if you would be my disciples, you must take up your cross daily and follow after me. When we yield our bodies to God as a living sacrifice and we truly and honestly from the deepest part of our heart are willing to do whatever he tells us to do, no matter the consequences, then a crack happens in this little clay pot. And that glory of God begins to shine out just like it did in the soldiers of Gideon. And that glory is what the devil is scared of. And it will cause his army to set into a pure panic and they will flee the scene. You see, that power is not of you. That's why God didn't care when Gideon said, I'm the weakest and the lowliest and the poorest and the... So God's speaking to us today, to each of you as he did to Gideon. The Lord is with thee, mighty man of valor. And God's saying to us, just like he did to Gideon, go in this thy might. And you might be saying, I don't have any might, Richard. I'm going to say to you, yes, you do. It's already there. It's already on the inside of you. That thou shalt save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. And I want to say that thou might save America from the hand of the wicked. You may be thinking like Gideon, I can't do this thing. I'm weak, I'm insignificant, I'm poor, I'm whatever. But can't you hear God saying to you today, just like he said to Gideon, surely I will be with you. And thou shalt smite the Midianites as one man. So maybe you're sitting here and you're saying, how do I know this is God's voice? And I think God's saying back to you, you know my voice. You don't have to do this all at once. Just do this little thing first here that I'm telling you to do. And you're probably saying, but, but Lord, but Lord, it's scary, Lord. Lord, this might happen. 
What about this, Lord? People might not like me, Lord. My family might hate me, Lord. I might lose money, Lord. I want to say to you, remember Gideon's father. It's not going to turn out as bad as you think. And maybe you're sitting here and you're saying, but what God's saying doesn't make sense. It can't be done. It's impossible. Neither did dropping Gideon's army from 32,000 men to 300 men. Neither did attacking the Midianites with clay pots. Didn't make any sense to me when God told me to leave my law career of 20 years and go to Bible college in another state. I had three kids. Stop trying to figure everything out, guys. You can't. Stop trying to figure everything out and just obey God. Again, God doesn't need your resources. He doesn't need your ability. What he needs is your trust. And he will guide you. He will strengthen you. He will lead you step by step, just like he did Gideon. And just like in Gideon's case, God is going to give us the victory. As we obey him, his power is going to cause it to happen, just like Andrew prophesied the other night. And when you obey God, regardless of the consequences, that glory is going to manifest. So I want to close this message with Isaiah chapter 60, verses 1 through 3. Remember, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, 6 through 7. That we hold this glory in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power might not be of us, but might be of God. And in Isaiah chapter 60, verses 1 through 3, it says, Arise, shine, for thy light is come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon thee. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and gross darkness the people. But the Lord shall arise upon thee, and his glory shall be seen upon thee. And the Gentiles shall come to thy light, and kings to the brightness of thy coming. Now that, brothers and sisters, guys, that's a messianic prophecy about Jesus Christ. But you are in Jesus Christ. So that's a prophecy about you. It's a prophecy about me. As we walk in Christ in obedience to him and become broken vessels in his hand, then that light shines. It does, the glory descends upon us and shines forth and the world will see God. So this conference today, we've all been inspired, we've been educated, and we've been informed. But if we leave this place without a resolution to act, Forgive me for shouting, but if we don't act, it's all just fun and games. I want you to act. Even if it's a mistake, I want you to act. Because even, even if it's a mistake, you'll learn and you can start over and get it right. But the worst thing, the last thing is to hide your talent, sit there in your recliner and keep shouting at the TV. Who cares about Fox News and CNN anymore? We've got the answer. The answer is inside of us. It's inside of you. All right, guys, stand to your feet with me, would you? I want you to, to close your eyes with me for a minute because I'm going to ask you some questions. And how everybody answers is no one else's business, okay?
But I want to know today, those among us here, and you would say, Richard, yes, God, I believe God is calling me to do something to help America. Can you raise your hand for me? Hundreds of you. Now I want to know, of you who have your hands raised, do you know what the next step is in that calling? Even more hands are going up. How does that happen? So I want to ask you today, are you willing right now before God to take that next step? Praise the Lord. Then if you're willing, I want you to pray with me right now. Dear God, I hear your voice. I know you have a purpose. And I know you have a plan for me. Lord, I believe that this thing in my heart is from you. And I believe that I know what the next step is. So I commit my way unto you. And I trust that you will establish my steps and my thoughts. And that you will prosper me. And you will bring to pass the vision you have for my life. Amen. Praise the Lord. All right, guys, so listen, here's the last thing. Here's the last thing on this. If you go out of this place and you don't do that first step, you've just made yourself a liar before the Lord. And I'm not kidding. This is very serious. What America needs, what the world needs today is it needs the church. It needs believers in Jesus Christ to stand up and begin to obey God in faith to be the salt and to be the light that this world so desperately needs. And you've just committed before God that you're going to do that. So I'm going to trust God that you are going to do it. And I'm going to rejoice in that fruit today. Amen. All right. Praise the Lord. God bless you all. Thank you for joining today's Truth and Liberty livecast. You can watch today's and past livecasts in our archives at truthandliberty.net. Our goal is to educate Christians and connect them with resources and organizations to help them impact their sphere of influence. You can help us accomplish this by making a donation at truthandliberty.net slash donate. Join us next time for more Truth and Liberty.